Hey, 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 it's Fat Danielle <laughs> with another episode of Access Denied. Anyway, welcome. I know I've been doing all that talk and walking out. Okay, I hate myself for that. Sorry. Long story short, I know, I know, and I'm not going to apologize this time because life is rough <laughs> and y'all need to accept me for the flaws because I'm trying my best here. But no. welcome back to another episode of our limited series, Diversity in Animation. Um, for those of you wondering, like, when is she going to stop t- being a movie nerd and, you know, end this? It will be ending in January. The goal is at least, like, maybe three, four more episodes. And then we'll do, like, a special one once Soul comes up because that is the main reason why this series started in the first place. I'll do, like, a mini review, little episode. And then maybe compare to three movies because it's um, Spies in the Sky, Soul, and Princess and the Frog that kind of fall under the same line. Do a review, put them together, find out what went wrong, why this was that, why that was this. And then, you know, wrap it all up. You won't have to hear me blab about my nerdy animation obsession ever again. But if you want to suggest more topics for when the series is over or you want us to do another mini series, you can let me know on the Insta at access deny. That's A C C E S S D A N I E D D because we're still you know the story about the domain. <laughs> but yes, if you need any stuff with that, just message me. I'm all oh, my DMs are always open when I'm not working which is literally 80 percent of the time but you can still text me and i'll always respond because i'm cool like that but yeah let's get into the meat of these things so this is the first in the series where we're gonna compare two movies and you know what better way to start than with another holiday dia de los muertos okay disclaimer in advance i'm not hispanic latinx latino latina i I'm just a lover of movies, obviously. And I also have a lisp, (laughs) or had a lisp. So my pronunciations are going to be very trash, because, but I'm trying, okay? Anyway, apologies in advance. So it is a holiday related to All Saints Day, which is celebrated at the end of November, usually, or it varies, end of November, or first two days in, or first two days in November, um, in the end of October to at least like the first few days in November. And it's usually celebrated by the beautiful people in Mexico. If there are other countries, please let me know. And it's a truly amazing and wonderful, colorful festival. So now, why are people so obsessed with it? Why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> but personally, maybe because people like death or they need a cool holiday to capitalize on. Well, speaking of cool holiday to capitalize on, let's talk about the two movies that came within three years of each other that celebrate this holiday with their own twists. <laughs> Sorry, ASMR for the day. <laughs> We're going to start with The Book of Life. For those of you who don't know, The Book of Life um, came out on October 17th, 2014. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it is an American 3D computer animated musical fantasy adventure comedy film. Woo, that's a lot. Co-produced by Real FX um, Creative Studios, which is kind of under 20th Century Fox, which is weirdly not under Disney. So if y'all hear some like, we're cutting back Book of Life, because apparently there's Book of Life 2 
um, if something happens about that, y'all know what went down. <laughs> Disney's literally just tearing everyone apart. But yeah, it was distributed by 20th Century Fox. Um, it was co-written and directed by Jorge R. Gutierrez, and it was produced by Aaron Berger, Brad Booker, Guillermo del Toro, and Karina Schultz. I think that's how you say her name. By the way, Guillermo del Toro was a part of this production, so obviously he's going to put a little sizzle into the story, hopefully. Disclaimer, he did not really. Anyway, <laughs> um, so it was uh, features the voices of guess who? Diego Luna. <laughs> From Rogue One fame. <laughs> Zoe Saldana, who was... Has been making money for the past decade. Props to her. She's able to feed her triplets. I think she was the one who had triplets. I don't remember. All I know is that she got money and she's being really hush about it. And that's what all celebrities should do. <laughs> um, Channing Tatum, Christina Applegate, Ice Cube, Ron Perlman, and Kate Del Castillo. It's based on an original idea by Gutierrez. And the story follows a bullfighter who on the Day of the Dead embarks on an afterlife adventure to fulfill the expectations of his family and friends. Now. Switch up on that. He goes into the afterlife to get some booty. <laughs> That's the whole plot. So the plot is all about booty. The booty here is Maria. Maria's like the... I would call her the president's daughter in this case. And they live in San El Angel. And they basically are like buddies. Um, Channing Tatum plays the other friend. I forgot his name. Oh, Joaquin! Um, <laughs> great friendship story until they're like... Oh, so let's put the fate of the world on the basis of these two fighting for this girl. P.U. It smells like patriarchy. But don't worry. They turn Maria into a feminist goddess in the movie in a very, very crusty way. <laughs> and I want to vouch for her so badly because she is a good character on the outside. When you bring out the inside, she's as bland as can be. And she's all like, oh, you think it was that easy? And then the next day she marries this dude. It makes... Anyway, long story short, Maria wasn't well written. The movie wasn't well written. But we'll get into that later. Um, then basically, you know, they do the whole montage. They grow up. Um, Manolo is supposed to be... Uh, Manolo is one of the other guys. So there's Joaquin and Man Manolo. They're fighting for Maria. Manolo is supposed to be a bullfight. <laughs> A lot of a lot of adjectives and stuff going on. Well, adjectives, not even correct grammatical usage of the word adjective. Forgive me. <laughs> Manolo is supposed to be a bullfighter because family. And then Joaquin wants to be like his dad. His dad's dead. He basically I don't know. They didn't they weren't clear on it. It looks like he sleeps in the streets from what was shown in the beginning. Until um, there's two gods. There's La Muerte and Zibalba. Zibalba is the bad guy, you know, and kids speak. And La Muerte is the good girl, and kids speak. Um, La Muerte chooses Manolo because she's like, I want his heart to be pure and always follow his heart. And he does because he also likes music. So, you know, little music boys, we're soft and whatever. And then Zibalba goes for Joaquin. And what he's like, oh, I see your father was a soldier. But you'll never be as great as your father. Until now with the all new and improved badge of everlasting life. And so he gives him that. And then literally this kid can't die. So he, like, gains super strength. And I think Joaquin, his animation, amazing fighter. But unfortunately, you know. 
the badge was what was keeping him going well. So they grow up, they realize their paths, um, you know, they keep him moving. And then Maria comes back because she was sent away for being a little brat, you know, because I guess that's what you do. And then they reunite at this bull fight that Manolo's supposed to be fighting the bull, but he, he won't kill the bull. <laughs> In his words, not mine. Um, he won't kill the bull. Killing the bull is wrong. And Maria's turned on by that. Like, <laughs> and Joaquin's just like, yo, look at my badges, baby. She's like, ew. Do you know that I took up fencing? And like, that's a theme. She's always like, did you know I did this? Did you know I did that? Do you know I read books? Do you know I did? And it's like, girl, <laughs> we get it. <laughs> you're not like other girls. <laughs> you're not your typical average girl. You're Jojo Siwa, but no. Um, basically, yeah, Manolo is like, they're still trying to fight. Joaquin proposes. She's like, I'll get back to you on that. And then Manolo's like, meet me at the bridge, girl. I got you. And he is also like, yo, I can't offer you a ring because I'm poor. But, you know, I can offer you my heart because I love you. And I'm like, ah! And Diego Luna, if anyone's heard his voice, oh, like butter. <laughs> like the smoothest margarine ever. Not Lando Lakes. There's another one. It's like this Irish butter. And it just slides down. And it's like, yes. He's talking to Maria, but I'm like, I, I am Maria. And if I'm not Maria, I'm that pig you got for her. Yeah, she has a pet pig, long story. But I'm that pig. I want to be in that house. I want to be. <laughs> okay, enough of the thirst. But yeah, so, but then, you know, Maria being Maria, she's like, they're like standing there talking. And then Zibalba brings out his snakes and the snakes are like, Wah! and then he's like, oh, no, oh, my God. And then Maria saves him. Oh, sorry. She's like, oh, no, oh, my God. And Maria saves him. But she only got bit once with a sleepy snake. Then Manolo's like, okay, if you're going to take Maria, then I got to go back to the land of the dead and get her back. And Zibaba's like, at what cost? And he's like, everything. I need those cheeks now. And so Zibaba gives um, him two bites, which is a technical foul. And... Yeah, because two bites means you're dead. Maria got one bite. That means she's asleep. So that means Manola's actually dead. Now he got to go to the underworld for no reason. So he goes and he's like, where's Maria? And then he meets his family and they're all like, a Sanchez man never shows weakness. A Sanchez man never. It's a whole thing. It's also the same in the other movie. We'll get to that soon. But basically, like, um, where was I? Oh, basically, like, they find out he cheated, and he's like, well, there's no way you can get to La Muerte because now she's in the land of the underworld. Okay, La Muerte is the land of the living, or the land of the dead, the happy one, and then Zibalba's in the land of the forgotten, you know, the sad one. So they switch places because they made a bet, you know, and Manolo's just like, oh, all right, bet. I'm going to fight you because you cheater. <laughs> Cheaters never win. So they go on a whole, like, quest. He's... You know what they do in movies. Quest, quest, quest. They get to the... They get to Ice Cube. <laughs> as you can tell, this story was a lot to take in. They get to Ice Cube, who is known as a candle maker. He does make a Friday joke, and then a today was a good day joke. Very sad when you know you have to reach that point, but you have to reference your old movies in a movie like this. Anyway, yeah, they meet the candle maker, and... I have to mention this part because they try to make it like a big thing in the story, 
but it only comes in like literally halfway through. And it gets to the part where the candle maker is like, oh, everyone has a page, you know, everyone's life is determined for them. Kind of, you know, textbook. And he's like, wait, under Manolo, the pages are blank. Do you know what that means, bro? And he's like, no. (laughs) And Ice Cube's like, that means you're writing your own story. (sighs) Like he literally does the mind blown face and fingers and all that. As you can see, pretty corny, but you know, the kids are like, <laughs> the kids in the theater are like, whoa, mommy! That was so smart! Look at the candle maker, you were in your story! Okay, the kids are not dumb like that, but I can imagine watching it, the kids are getting pretty high. They're like, whoa, that's a plot twist I've never seen in a movie. But yeah, it was it was cute. Then they take him to La Muerte, and they say, hey, La Muerte, your man cheated. And he's like, what? And then Zimbabwe's like, oh, shoot, I'm in trouble. So then they're like, okay, we need a wager because these people are horny for wagers. It's so weird. And, you know, they do the whole wager thing. He's like, you need to fight the bull because that's something you're afraid of. But the T is Manolo isn't afraid of the bull. He's afraid of himself. And himself is a music lover. So let me go back to the beginning for a second. Maria gives him a guitar when she's leaving. And she reminds Manolo to always play from the heart. And, you know, that's exactly what he did. And he sang the most beautiful song ever. I can't tell. I feel like they had singing voices for all of the actors. But if Diego Luna actually sang that, oh, like butter, I tell you, like butter. Um, I forgot what the song is called. I think it's called the Toro song, I think, or the Apology song. The Apology song, because he's apologizing to the bull for, like, you know, he was like, sorry, we, we killed you for so many years. But I'm like, you know, that's kind of wrong, bro. And the bull's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Okay. So, yeah. Pretty much he wins. Oh, I forgot to mention the bad guy. There's a bad guy. And Maria has to marry Joaquin to stop the village. Maria wakes up and because um, Joaquin kisses her. Yeah. <laughs> and then the bad guys come in while they're getting married. And they're trying to fight. But, you know, Joaquin's like, I don't have my bed. So he runs off. And then Manolo comes with he and his ancestors. And he's like, yeah, we fought them. And then everybody's like, oh, shoot, Manolo, you're not trash. LOLs. Okay, we love our man Manolo. I messed up the whole story, but I think this is a movie you have to watch for yourself to understand. <laughs> because right now, it sounds like I'm literally rambling. But you kind of get the tea. You get the gag. I've, you know, it's, it's a story. It's a messy one. But, yeah, you know, it all ends happily ever after. Manola and Maria get married, so I guess the world's good. Oh, and I forgot the theme or the what gets them into the story is because these bad kids, like bad kids, go to the museum and the tour guide is like, okay, let's talk about Dia de los Muertos, all right? And they're like, what? <laughs> and then they go through this whole tale. Um, yeah, so that's basically the gist of... What you, what's the movie again? <laughs> Sorry. I'm so lost in this film that I don't even remember the name of the movie. It is The Book of Life. There we go. So, here's what worked. The music was great-ish. They have a lot of pop songs turned Latin. Um, I don't know what genre of music you would call it. It's not salsa. I wouldn't call it salsa. Um, but... You know, they did it for Creep, Radiohead. That scene is very cringe. But uh, it's still cute. 
He's like, ah, Maria. <laughs> and it hits me every time when he says, ay, Maria. So the songs to listen for when you're watching this movie is, of course, I Love You Too Much. Great love song. Play that at your wedding. Play that at your funeral. It's a good bop. Then we also have the apology song, like I mentioned. Smooth Like Butter. Great bop. And then the end song, just because that's a song that put us to do on the map. And they're a pretty good band. Um, it was a good, you know, song. But it was weird when, quote-unquote, Zoe Zaldana was trying to sing. It was... It was cute. It was a nice end scene. It's, you know. And I like the little end part where they're saying, like, San Angel is the center of the world, and the world keeps turning, and people keep changing. And I'm like, that's kind of a sweet ending. You know, it was kind of cute. I also love, love, love the animation. Not the beginning animation, because it's kind of like the cheap, you know, animation in the beginning when they, the kids are coming to the museum. And then they get into the meat of the story. Because the story is told through dolls. So Manolo, Joaquin, and Maria, and the whole town are dolls. And it's all the animation on them. Mwah! Mwah! I want to be as skinny as Maria. (laughs) That's the slim thick I aspire to be. My tummy is a pig. My hips are a cylinder. And my feet are tiny. In a fictional world. I don't think I'll get there anytime soon. (laughs) But... Here's to hoping. So, another thing I really liked about the movie was Joaquin. I would say that he's the one who had the most character development. Maria was just kind of there, which was sad. They were trying to give her an arc, and she was just kind of there. And Joaquin actually had an arc. He wanted to be like his dad, but he couldn't look up to his dad because he was dead. Um, this guy comes in with this pendant and bases his worth on this pendant. Like, you will live forever if you have this thing. And so that kind of helps him build up his character and his confidence. But it makes him very selfish. And at the end of the movie, he learns how to be, say with me, kids, selfless. Oh, my God, you're so smart. Good job, Billy. Anyway, yeah. But he actually, you can see the change because as he's like, confronting Marie, he's like, yeah, look at my medals. He gives her an autograph talking to her. Like, that's 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 wild. <laughs> hey, baby, I love you. Can you can you keep the sign autograph of me thing? Like, and then as you see progress, like, he's like, even when um his, uh, Maria's dad tells him to marry her, he's like, Maria, you gotta marry Joaquin. Joaquin's like, not right now. Sis just woke up from being quote-unquote dead. Um, the guy that he knows that she actually likes has just died too. So she's like flipping out, but she's like, I'll just do it for the town. And he could tell that he doesn't, he really loves Maria, but he doesn't want her to be in a loveless marriage. And it's so beautiful and so cute. And Channing Tatum killed the role. Channing Tatum has never really killed a role since the first step up. But this was great. This was really a solid character right there. And the message of the movie is cute. Well, you know, the following your heart bit. <laughs> the Sanchez man bit, that's a that's another thing. Now, another thing I liked was the visual gags. The visual gags were hilarious. There's a lot of, like, subtle things they throw in there, and you just have no choice but to giggle. And little lines. So one visual gag I'm going to mention, because it's the only one I can remember off the top of my head, is when Zibalba and La Muerte are walking in the graveyard. Some guy's lighting the candles, and they walk on top of the candles, so the candles go out. And (laughs) 
He literally looks at the candles, pulls out a bottle of wine, and dumps it out. Hilarious stuff. Like, these are... The way it's done, like, as I'm saying, it's like, oh, I mean, that's your typical gag. But, like, the way they did it, it was hilarious. And I had no choice but to laugh. There's a lot of, like, cute little things. They really did well on the humor. Now, the things we didn't like here was it wasn't story heavy. It really just... It was trying to go for something, and it fell off the tracks. Like, the beginning was pretty heavy, especially, like, after the bull scene. Like, Manolo's fighting with himself. He's like, I need to kill the bull for my family, but it's wrong. And I love Maria's, but I love the town, and I want to respect my family. And then Joaquin's just, in the beginning, being Joaquin. He's the only one that stays, like, in a consistent character development phase as we go along. Maria learns nothing. Manolo definitely learns nothing. <laughs> Um, except for how to sing better and get more raspy as a voice pro- as a song progresses, but it was just not the thickest plot ever. Um, I feel like a lot of people start getting lost, especially when they go back and forth from the museum group to the story. And when Ice Cube shoves his booty in, they make a lot of exceptions because it's Dia de los Muertos, and I'm like, okay. I see, I see where you're coming from, but it's like, yeah, it's okay. Now, Maria, I already talked a little bit. They just, they were trying to go for the feminist role, and they, it fell flat because it was like an anti, either it was a play on feminist role or an anti-feminist role. Because they're like, did you know I do fencing? Did you know I did this thing and I did that? Oh, uh, you think it's going to be that easy? And then she marries Manolo the next day. All her skills that she learned from school, she didn't use it one bit. All she is is talk. She really talks for someone who doesn't know how to fight. It pisses me off. But it's okay. I would say that in the next one we're going to talk about, some characters got more gratification. Now, there was some cringe. Like I said, the little scene where they're singing um, Creep by Radiohead, or at least Manolo singing Creep by Radiohead. Not the best song. I love you too much. There's a line that says, I live for your touch. I whisper your name night after night. That creeps me out. It's always have. I still sing it, but I cringe after I sing it. Um, there's a lot of mini cringy stuff. Like, it usually comes after the funny stuff. You'll see like, oh, that's kind of cute. And then someone says something where you're like, ugh. <laughs> P.U. Something stinks. But yeah, basically. Now, did it live up to the standards of a good movie? I would say... I mean, critics agree. The movie got like a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think it stands. You know, the story wasn't that great, but everything else was pretty meaty. I enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed the animation. Thoroughly enjoyed the voice acting. Voice actors did a good job. Zoe Zeldon was all right. (laughs) But it's because, you know, when you're handed a bad script, you better get a bad character. Like Hayden Christensen, Anna Kim from Skywalker, um, from from the, uh, you know, the first, the, the prequels. He was a great character, but George Lucas is just a crappy writer. You didn't hear from me, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like that, y'all. It's like that, y'all, and like da 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 da. It's like that, y'all. Now I'm guessing you guys already could know what the second movie w- would be about since I'm talking about Dia de los Muertos, and it's Coco. So, Coco Gray starts screens, well, at least our theater screens, on November 22nd, 2017, 
It is an American 3D computer animated fantasy film produced by Pixar Animation Studios and released by Walt Disney Pictures. Based on an original idea by Lee Unkrook. I don't know. But he wrote, he was part of Toy Story or Toy Story 2. And it's directed by him, co-directed by Adrian Molina, who worked on Ratatouille. The film's voice cast stars his little first role, Anthony Gonzalez, who, funny story, if you do some researching and some video searching, when Anthony Gonzalez went to visit the Pixar studio, the funny thing is that he was there on a tour. Like, it was, I, I don't know if it was an unrelated tour. I haven't looked into the details, but he was on a tour there. And basically, John Lasseter was just hanging out. And he was like, hey, you like movies? You like Disney? And he was like, sure. He's like, whoa, how would you like to be in one? And then he's going to be like, bruh, <laughs> don't blame me. Don't blame me like this. First of all, this is going to be great for my business because he was already like a musician. But yeah, John Lasseter just hit him up. And he was like, yeah, you want to be on a movie? And he was like, Sure. So, congrats to little baby Anthony Gonzalez. So proud of him. Um, Gail Garcia Bernal, Benjamin Bratt, Alana Ubach, Renee Victor, Ana Ophelia um, Merguia, and Edward James Olmos. Now, someone that no one mentioned was, um, what's his name? He was on Jane the Virgin. Oh, my God. I can't remember. He was a telenovela actor. He was really... No. Oh, my gosh. I can't. He was Jane's dad. I can't remember his name. Like, he had such a funny name in the show. Hold on, guys. Rogelio de la Vega. Okay, sorry. I'm yelling. Rogelio de la Vega. If there was one reason that would have kept me watching that show with Negroes Give Me Hibby Jeebies was him. <laughs> he was a great character and still is. I follow him on Instagram, and he's just a great man. He played um, Miguel's dad. Um, so a little synopsis of the story. Well, this is like the, the, the website version. The story follows 12 year old boy named Miguel, who's accidentally transported to the land of the dead, where he seeks help, the, the help of his deceased musician, great, great grandfather to return to his family among the living and to reverse his family's ban on music. Now, as you can hear, I'm really great at describing movies. So here I am describing 2017 Coco. <clears throat> it all starts. I forgot what their um, town is called. Santa, Santa, Santa something. But Miguel is there. His family is a shoe shine group. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put it like that. But shout out to all the shoe shines. <laughs> okay, woo! Shout out to all the shoe shines because there's a lot of shoes I would have lost if it wasn't for the shoe shines back home, and definitely shoe shines. Holding it down for us always. Um, thank you for your service. But yeah, Miguel's family is, is a group of shoe peoples. They make shoes. They shine shoes. Miguel at the beginning is shining shoes. And he just loves to make, play music, man. But guess what? His grandma or Mama Imelda was like, musician. First of all, your grandpa, your granddaddy's trash. So we had to ban music real quick. Because Coco was all crying, and I didn't have time for that. So I needed to make a... And now, when you want to write an independent woman, write a Mama Imelda. Because she had a backstory. She had a truth. She had, like, she had meat. She wasn't just an independent woman because the script told her to. 
She was because she was like, she wasn't going to let no man bring her down. She has a daughter to take care of. Pull those, pull herself up by her bootstraps and make boots, you know? So love me some mama email then. But, you know, the family tradition went down. Coco's still around. First of all, Coco's got some good genes because she's looking good for whatever age she is. Long story short, Coco got dementia. She's struggling. She's like, ba-ba, And Miguel's like, hey, you want to see my dimples? Dimple, no dimple. It's like, leave your grandmama alone. She's been through a lot. Well, we're about to find out she's been through a lot throughout the film. So Miguel's like talking to this mariachi in um, the plaza, and he's like, hey, I like music. He's like, well, why don't you try it? And then his grandma sees like, oh, hell no. Starts beating him with the chancla. I love it. Then Miguel's like, shoo, I got to follow my dreams. So he tries. And I think as he's, um, when he breaks the photo on the ofrenda, he finds out that his grandpa is Ernesto de la Cruz, the most famous singer in the whole world, who was also from his town. So you can see how he, he got bamboozled in the beginning. Um, and he's like, my grandpa's Ernesto de la Cruz. And you're like, first of all, get off the roof. Second of all, we don't talk about that man. Um, and then Miguel's like, well, we should because I like music. Look at my guitar. Grandma breaks the guitar. And Miguel's like, I don't want to be on your stupid ofrenda and runs away. He tries to steal Ernesto's guitar from his grave. Um, and you know what happens next. He goes to the land of the dead. He meets his family that's dead there. He's like, hey, what's up, y'all? Don't worry. I'm going to go home, return the guitar. And then mommy emails like, oh, on one condition. Don't you ever play music again, boy. And he's like, oh, no. So Miguel, you know, he's like, okay, grandma, whatever. Tries to put the guitar down. And he tries to steal it again. And he's back. And he's, and then, you know, the gag. Now, that was a good visual gag. Because um, that was truly me growing up. But yeah, um, then, you know, they do the wild goose chase. He bumps into, um, what's his dad's name? Hector. There we go. Or, that's not his dad. Sorry. He bumps into Hector. And Hector's like, oh, wait. So Miguel's like, wait, you know Ernesto de la Cruz? And he's like, who told you? He's like, you just yelled it. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I know him. And then, um, basically, Miguel also tells a lie. He's like, yeah, my granddaddy's. Or great-great-granddaddy's Ernesto de la Cruz. And he's like, oh, shoot. Then we can both get something from this. All you have to do is put my photo on your friend, and then we're good. <laughs> he didn't know they were related. If that wasn't obvious. By the way, if you haven't watched Coco, I'm sorry. I should have put, like, spoiler warning at the beginning. But y'all should have seen these by now. They're, like, both. Book of Life is almost, what, five years old? Six years old? Coco's almost three years old. Like, y'all should have watched this by now. Anyway, so then they go on the wild goose chase to, like, find things. They meet Frida Kahlo. He helps Frida Kahlo with her visual design. I don't know if Frida's family was appreciative of that. It was kind of, like, unnecessary. Disney tries, that was one visual gag that was like, okay. <laughs> then um, they get both get sob stories. They meet that one guy in the land of the forgotten. Well, in this case, not the land of the forgotten. It's just, like, the place where all the forgotten people live. And they're still hanging out. You know, they're still drinking, having a good time. But, you know, now they're all going to Thanos snap out of existence in it, in any minute. And he sings a song. Now, that's a good gag. You know, the children present. That was cute. Um, and then, you know, they sing 
Un poco loco, un poquitico loco. The way you keep me dancing, I'm nodding and I'm yesing. I'll count it as a blessing. You are just un poco loco. Ay. Okay, I'm gonna chill out. That's my banger right there. My favorite song from the whole movie. But after that, you know, his family comes to the other plaza and they're like, hey, y'all seen a living boy? And he's like, oh, shoot, <laughs> they got me. And then, you know, they do their little fight. Miguel tries to go to the tower and he gets there. And then, you know, he sings, the world is me, familia. Oh, uh, wait, how do they sing it? This music is my language and the world is me, familia. And then he falls in the water and Ernesto's like, who the hell are you? What are you doing at my party? He's like, I'm your great great grandson. He's like, ah, oh, who did I smash to get this one? Anyway, <laughs> my great great grandson. And he tells everybody so excited. And of course, bad timing Hector comes in. He's like, hey, kid, you got to put my photo on the ofrenda. But then Ernesto's like, Hector? And he's like, Ernesto. And for the longest time, everyone knew him as Chorizo because he choked on a chorizo when he died. But plot twist, that's why you should never base your movies off of real life. Ernesto poisoned the guy. He said, I'd move heaven for and earth for you, me, amigo, and bamboozled my boy to cause him to die. And the sad part is Miguel didn't know what was going on at the time. But of course, he's like, Oh, you don't want me to... He's, and then Ernesto's like, so, we're going to act like that didn't happen, right? You think I'd be a murderer? And then I almost said Coco. <laughs> Miguel's like, yeah, you're not a murderer. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, nah, you're going to die today, sir. Take him to the dungeon, too. They both throw them in. And then that's when Miguel finds out that Hector is his great-great-granddaddy instead. And he's like, oh, that's an upgrade. <laughs> But then the little song with him and Coco when he was a kid, that's not the one that got me. Obviously, the one that got me was the one in the end, but, you know, it got everybody. But, yeah, they're like, I like that he's my family. They do the La Llorona, Llorona. I don't remember the words. I'm so sorry. Once again, don't speak Spanish. Um, But, yeah, then they do that. Um, Ernesto tries to kill, kill Miguel again. And, you know, of course he doesn't die because Disney. Um, and then, you know, music is back in the family because they're like, okay, you almost died twice. So we're definitely bringing music back if you're really fighting for it like this. And then, you know, it happens. And Miguel's all like, yes. And I'm like, wow, great. <laughs> and then he sings, um, I'm me familia. Oh, no, 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 all the way great movie you clap at the end coco 2017 so now now that we've gotten that whole horrible explanation out of the way what did we like we definitely love the music la llorona un poco loco um of course proud corazon proud corazon always makes me cry when i listen to it it's such a happy song it's like when i listen to certain like there's some songs out there that people write for their, like, parents, and I listen to it, and I'm like, oh, my God, y'all gonna make me cry. I can't, I can't. 
But Proud Coruscant is one of those songs. It's just a really sweet soundtrack. It makes you feel really happy, especially knowing that, first of all, Anthony can sing, boy. That's my baby. If I hear him on the streets, I'm going to be like, Anthony! I'm going to be his personal free security guard if he lets me. Please, Anthony. I have these shot put shoulders and I haven't used them in years. If you need someone to be tackled, I'm here, baby. I got you. Um, animation. Animation. Of course, it had like the same old Disney animation. I did love the outfits. Miguel definitely looks like um, Shoeshine Boy. I love it, though. <laughs> He's the cutest little Shoeshine Boy. Um... And, um, yeah, the, um, I love the city more than I love the characters. And here's why. Of course, the flowers. I forget what they're called, but I guess so. I, sorry, Diane Ellen's here. Um, I don't, I don't remember what they're called. Um, but are you sure they're marigolds? Please, please quote me if we're, if we're missing something. Um, but yes, Marigolds, um, the animation and how they kind of use them as Pocahontas wind piece was cute. Well, not wind piece, like, you know, they gave them a personality, like, if you don't make it through, you sink, and kind of how they used it when Miguel Stramp strummed the guitar for the first time, like, and how it's used as, like, the blessing to go between the living and the dead. Cute. Um, now, Dante. If I ever wanted a dog, a hairless dog, it would have to be a Dante. And I'm sure Dante has hair, but he's just, he's my dream dog. Like, I, I want to make sure I live on Earth at least with a dog like Dante. Now, I've lived with dogs before, but we haven't gotten to that level. I've lived with a lot of serious dogs because they're all female, so they're all like, I have puppies. Can you leave that childish nonsense at home? And I'm like, love me. Let's be fun together, okay? But he was just a well-written dog. He didn't have any dialogue, but I liked him a lot, than I, more than I liked Miguel, and I'll get to that in a second. Now, don't, hear me out. The movie's called Coco, so I don't have to like Miguel, all right? Anyway, so I love Coco, so don't worry. I love the main name of the movie. I'm just am not a huge fan of Miguel. We'll get to that. The story, of course, compared to the Book of Life, is a lot more meteor, more coherent. It's a boy on a mission to play music, but his family doesn't want him to play music. Um, so he's like, shoot, I'm going to fight for it. And he does, <laughs> literally to the death. He didn't die, though, but to the death. Um, and then, this is unrelated, but Ernesto could get it. <laughs> Hear me out, everyone. I know he's a murderer. I promise you I'm not one of those ten, Ted Bundy ladies who likes murderers or whatever. But the way he walks, his outfits, he's so smooth. Now I know what, like, oh, Ernesto. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Fine, like wine. <laughs> If I was living in 1942, I would hit that too. Woo! All right. <laughs> Minus the murder. Before, Okay. <laughs> I'm making myself sound so bad. Disclaimer. I am not in the true crime love thing, fandom, whatever they call themselves. As you know, I don't know the name, so I don't even associate with them. 
it's just when I separate Ernesto, like, it's like, what happened with Ted Bundy? Like, from the women's perspective. He would go out and do these things and then come back and be like, hey, guys, I brought brownies from the store. You want to make some frosted brownies? Like, nobody knew what was going on. If you did not know about that, I would totally slap with Ernesto. But we do know about that, so of course I'm not going to associate myself with that man. And he tried to kill Miguel twice. That's the T. So it's like, before all that, before we knew the, the meat of the plot, I was all for Ernesto, especially the way he walks. He kind of like has a little hip twist, and I'm like, yes, get it. And then we find out the truth, and I'm like, okay, probably should take back what I said. I hope he burns. Well, I mean, I guess he died again. He got hit by the bell. I guess he had a second death, but yeah, that's the tea. That's the gag. Read in a weep. Don't at me. <laughs> now the dislikes. I did not really like the humor. I understand some of it was cool. Some of them was cute, but it wasn't the best. I think they, <laughs> I know the movie's not intentionally about humor, but they were trying to do humorous parts. And I'm saying that a lot of those humorous parts that they're trying to fit in. They didn't work 100% of the time. Now, I'm not saying the Book of Life's did 100% of the time, but I did more of a belly laugh with the Book of Life than I did in Coco. Um, <laughs> when I wrote this, I feel like I was being so mean. Mama Coco's voice. I can't blame her for being old, but you know, I expect her to have like a more like Moana's, less Moana's grandma and more like Grandmother Willow. You know, but I understand you want to get like a certain voice. She's got dementia. She's like, papa, papa. But it's like, I don't want to hear like a bird, papa. You know how grandmother Willow's voice like, like a little bit like, papa. Well, I'm now sound like a, I can't. Okay, guys, we're going to work on my grandma voice. Papa, papa. See how it's a little more, like, lower and a little bit more emotional? Like, she's calling out for her long-lost dad that she didn't know was murdered. Like, it feels lower. Instead of, like, the squawk. I could not stand that squawk. Like, otherwise, when she's talking about her dad after she gets her memory back, amazingly, she, she sounds great. It's just that one little line. Like, I get it. She was like, Papa! Papa! But when you put it in an old woman's voice, whew, it gave me nightmares. Not gonna lie. Now, Miguel. He had great character development. Don't get it twisted. But I'm just, I'm not rocking with him. Um, He's cute. I love his little ay ay scene when he's trying to work himself up to get on stage. But... He just seems like the kid I wouldn't want to have. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And this is coming from someone who doesn't want kids, really. But if, like, it were to come to that and I had one, I wouldn't want one like Miguel. Because he seems great. Like, I understand how you feel if, like, I ban music. But, like, and I get kids can be, like, that's the thing. Like, I understand the whole, like, process of children and fighting for their right to party and all that fun stuff. But it's like, man, I'm sure that if I had to deal with that with my own flesh and blood, I'd just be tired, man. <laughs> I would just throw the child away. <laughs> no offense to any parents out there. I'm sure you love your child from the bottom of your heart. I would never do that to them. 
But I'm just saying. From 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 a movie standpoint, since I can, <laughs> this <laughs> this criticism chart has just become so rough. Apologies to all grandmas and children. Um, but yeah, I just first half Miguel. I'm sure he was written to be like that. He was very true to his child origins, and I guess that's what made me <laughs> not like him because sometimes children can be brats, <laughs> you know. As stated in um, the Book of Life, when, oh, I didn't mention Maria ruined her whole town with a pig stampede. Once again, watch these movies, because <laughs> it sounds like I'm making this stuff up, and I'm just really not. It's all in the movie. They're fun movies to watch with your family. <laughs> so now, I never really mentioned why I put these two together, but when Coco was announced, um, it was announced a little around the time after Book of Life came out, maybe like I'd say a couple months after it came out. And they're like, yeah, we got a movie. It's called Coco. And it's about Day of the Dead. And everybody's like, okay. And it's about a boy who likes music. And they're like, wait. <laughs> and, you know, people heard more of the storyline. They're like, P.U., something stinks. Did someone steal a plot? And, you know, from the beginning, I thought they did. But then, after watching it, I can see why some people were right. But also see why a lot of people were wrong. So let's talk about the similarities. So the family theme is a big thing because family is very important. Um, there's the Santis man thing versus the Rivera. So in the Book of Life, they the whole thing is Manolo is supposed to be a Sanchez man, and a Sanchez man kills the bull. A Sanchez man does this. A Sanchez man does that. And in the Book of Life, it's a Rivera man or a Rivera. You're gonna be making shoes. We're make shoes through and through. Like they all got their own. Like, hey, we're a family. Catch thing. Um, yeah, that's kind of like the first initial one. The second one is the music love, cause you gotta sell a soundtrack somehow. And both of them have great music. It's just that, of course, the difference with this one is that Book of Life is a little more mainstream. Because they also have Biz Markie in there. Didn't mention that, but that's also on the Book of Life soundtrack. And then Coco, of course, was more like, this was an original story. So, of course, they worked together an original soundtrack, which is gorgeous and beautiful in its own right. Of course, the theme of Dia de los Muertos got people like, oh, all y'all want to do when you make a movie about New Mexico is Dia de los Muertos. And here you come steal another one. And it's like, okay, I, I hear y'all. And it's true. That's the whole point of this series. Like, we had two movies within three years that both talk about Dia de los Muertos. You can't write another character who's Latino or Latinx or Latina or Hispanic that couldn't be about Dia de los Muertos. Like, I get it. So I guess that's another reason why people are like, whoa, another one? Why? <laughs> but, yeah. And then, like I said earlier, it's a theme of family and following your heart. There's a lot of follow your hearts in both movies, and the hearts are in music, um, because they both love music. Oh, <laughs> both of their names are Manolo and Miguel. Not the same name, but hmm, there's a lot of M's in there. But now the difference is storytelling. The journey makes a story. Yes, from the base, there was a lot of similarities. But Miguel is going through a lot of self-discovery, well, not really. His his isn't really self-discovery. It's more like just discovery in general. Because I guess in the beginning, 
he was having the same bout that rifted Ernesto and Hector. Ernesto wanted to be for the world. He was all for music and having um, the world be his family. And Hector is like, my family is my world. And they're the reason why I do what I love. I love to sing with my wife. I love to sing with my kid. And they're all that matters in the end. And that's cute. Love, love, love that story. Now with Manolo, it's kind of the same theme, honestly. It's more of like family and his stance in his family. Um, And he wants to be himself, which is a musician, but he's afraid that he's going to ruin his family and is standing in society because it's kind of a big deal. His whole family is like the only family that does bullfighting, provide entertainment to the town. That's their contribution to living in the town. And he's battling with love and music and family. But his is a little more adult because he is an adult male. So as he's chasing his dream, he's also chasing the booty because, you know, goals. Um, But they kind of did have similar plots, similar themes. But I think they were tackled very differently. And it depends on who was writing it. Because this did have Guillermo del Toro and Jorge Gutierrez who are great in their own right, but this wasn't the strongest film in terms of writing. They could have done better. It could have been a meteor story, um, but obviously it wasn't the best. And then Coco had what um, Book of Life did it, an actual coherent story that um, kind of, like, I'm not saying Book of Life didn't have a coherent story. It was pretty written out, but it wasn't the same because Miguel was more tackling, like, teen angst and Manolo was already through the teen angst (laughs) it's weird because the stories are very similar very very similar but their ideals of family and love are two very different concepts if you're not catching my drift you know yeah I mean I guess but you know Coco told a great story, and so did the Book of Life. And I'm disrespecting everyone's creative visions and originality, because remember, these were both two movies within three years that talked about um, Latino culture, Mexican culture, and they were all original stories. And that's very rare. People don't really write original stories anymore. So I give them props for doing this and telling an original story that had heart, music, family, and all the important aspects of a good movie. So, on that note, we're edging. Actually, we are on 50 minutes. I would like to thank you all for spending too much time listening to me ramble about this these lovely movies. Um, if you guys want another comparison episode, don't worry. Like I said, we're going to talk about the, um, the Princess and the Frog, the Soul, and Spies in Disguise. When all of those three come out and we've compiled our data... And other than that, I don't want to keep you guys too long. Thanks for listening. Follow me on Instagram. You know the Addy. If you don't remember, scroll back to the beginning of the video. Because I really don't remember. <laughs> I'm getting ready. But yes, everyone, have a good night. And remember to follow me. Good night.